Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Kids are out of the house. Oh, man. Sweet silence behind me. Oh, what a time, what a time, what a time. Hello, everyone. Good late morning, early afternoon to you all. It's Wednesday on Fantasy NBA Today. I am filled with both piss and an equal amount of vinegar because I have the home to myself for a couple hours today. Magic. It's magic. As far as what we're doing on today's podcast, same old story. We still got a lot to do. Um, I think we just, the, uh, on, on, whatever the hell yesterday was, Tuesday, we finished up with the Halliburton and Desmond Bain extensions. That actually took us to the end of Friday. But remember, we're working backwards chronologically. Chronologically, I can speak still. So uh, we'll keep sort of moseying our way through what's been going on on the free agent front. I am uh, quivering in fear as to what we're going to do next. Once, once we get through free agency... This is a this is a rough time of year for fantasy basketball, but uh, don't worry, we'll figure some stuff out. Got a few projects in the works. But uh, anywho, um, you can find me on Twitter or Threads at Dan Bespris. Not uh, like I said. So, you know, Twitter's got TweetDeck working again. I think it went down. Maybe the the mobile app went down for a little bit this morning. I don't know, but my thing was working okay. If TweetDeck continues to function. I'll be uh, on both platforms for the near future, at the very least. And then we'll kind of see how everything shakes out over the, the upcoming couple months. It's what I said at the beginning of last week when all this crap was going down. I was like, look, Twitter's got a month and a half to get this thing figured out before the immediacy of NBA draft season comes around, fantasy draft season. And if they can get it fixed between now and then, I'm not going to leave Twitter. But if they don't, anyway, right now they've sort of pivoted back into the Okay, Dan, we'll give you the bare minimum that you need to actually function at work all day. And so, now here we are. The next item on the docket, Victor Oladipo was traded to the Thunder. Uh, So, I mean, this is all teams taking on contracts and not really planning to do all that much with them. I don't think you see a whole lot of Oladipo with Oklahoma City. I mean, he might get in there every now and again, but that's a team that's fully loaded with young dudes you can largely ignore. Um, He's always had a really nice steals rate throughout his career. So if there's this magical universe where he gets bigger minutes, then keep an eye on it. But no, very much do not need to be drafting Victor Oladipo on Fantasy Draft Night, Thunder have a lot of young dudes that they want to get into that lineup, and a lot of them are better than Oladipo. Most of them now at this point. Which stinks, because his career, man, you're talking about a career that just, like, precipitously fell off a cliff. He's been in the NBA for a decade now, which seems kind of insane. But thinking back to, like, 2017, 2018, dude was an all-star with Indiana. He was an all-star. He had a 23-point... Five rebound, two and a half steal season with the Pacers. Everything was chugging along. And then uh, he got hurt 2018, 2019. I think that was near the All-Star break. He missed most of that. Following season wasn't the same. Uh, Came back 2020, 2021. And 
what did he get? Played like 29, 30-something, 33 games that year, so he wasn't quite right, but his scoring was better at the very least. Last two seasons, though, in Miami, uh, 22 minutes, 26 minutes, and just, you know, not starting games, not really getting to do very much, so you could probably leave that alone. Next thing that happened during all of this mishmash was that Monte Morris was traded from the Wizards to the Pistons. This one really, I thought, slid under the radar. He's not going to get to play all that much in Detroit, but he'll be, you know, he'll take the Corey Joseph role from uh, years past. I think Corey's a, uh, is he still a free agent right now? Or did somebody pick him up? I think he's still a free agent, right? Aren't we still waiting on the on the Kojo deal? Doesn't really matter. Um, we're see the, no, he's on the Warriors now. That's right. Sign with the Warriors. So, Monte Morris will slide in. He'll be Corey Joseph for the Pistons now. The more important part of this is that it clears out more runway in Washington. That's the very important part of this one. This is a trade that I was over the moon about when it happened because of what gets left behind. This guy, as, as you may recall, a couple weeks back when the Wizards traded for Tyus Jones or they were part of that deal with for Tyus Jones, he came in as the likely starting point guard, but Monte Morris was still there. Uh, Beal out of the way now, but DeLon Wright was still there. And there was just like, there were so many guys that could potentially fill the point guard's slot that, I don't know, I was personally a little bit nervous and Chris Paul was there at that point also he's now of course back uh he's off in Golden State and they picked up Jordan Poole in that one but the removal of Monte Morris now really kind of firms up the backcourt for the Wizards Tyus Jones appears at least at a glance to be the very obvious starting point guard Jordan Poole likely the starting shooting guard uh, up at the big man spots, you've got Kuzma, who re-signed with Washington in sort of a downward-trending contract, but he'll be their power forward. So you've got three of those slots filled. And then the other ones are, I don't want to say up for grabs necessarily, because it seems like Daniel Gafford's probably the starting center, but if they want to pivot into anything younger, you might see them mix and match a little bit. Corey Kispert, probably the small forward, although maybe you see Denny Avdia there if you want more defense, and Kispert becomes kind of like a bench gunner type. But, and DeLon Wright is your your backup orchestrator off the bench. You got Kalibli, you got uh, Johnny Davis among younger players on that team, one a rookie, one a second-year guy. Um, so there'll be, you know, there's some stuff that can get in the way a little bit, but... Getting Monte Morris and his near 30 minutes out of the way because, like, you know, they, they gave up KCP for this dude and then now they've, they sort of had to move on from it. KCP, by the way, <laughs> probably the better fit. Regardless, suddenly now you have, I don't want to say obvious rotations because I don't know how many minutes some of the younger guys that are, that are starting to figure things out are going to get. But based on what we know about fantasy stat sets, fantasy profiles... There just is almost nothing standing in the way of Tyus Jones having a very big season other than getting moved partway through this season because he's on an extremely friendly contract. He's an excellent, he's the best backup point guard in the NBA last year. He'll be kind of a middling starting point guard, middle to back end. Uh, but his contract is expiring. 
So do the Wizards actually want to build around Tyus Jones, or was he kind of a means to an end in moving all these pieces around? That was part of the Kristaps uh, Porzingis deal. Is this a guy that they really wanted, or is this a guy that just made sense as someone to lump into a trade? We'll find out partway through this year. Also, Delon Wright, expiring contract. I like him. I mean, his fantasy game is extremely robust because of the uh, the steals, the assists, his ability to just sort of do a bunch of stuff out there, really well-rounded fantasy game. I'm more worried about him getting moved. He, may, he might even get moved before the season starts. $8 million expiring contract here for Delon Wright. Very easy contract to move. There's going to be a good team out there that could really use a guy like Wright in the second half of the season, you know, pushing, defending, that sort of steal, uh, deal, steal, whatever, you know, you <laughs> combined what he did with what uh, his contract is. So, you know, on the head-to-head side, I could understand maybe a little trepidation on Delon Wright since he might not be on the team by partway through the year. Roto, he should see enough minutes to, to hit the marker. And then Jordan Poole, who, not that his minutes were going to be challenged because he's one of those, uh, to me, Jordan Poole looks like the trademark new situation kind of guy who gets out from under the, the bad juju in Golden State where he and Draymond Green obviously weren't getting along. And, and so he became kind of the guy on the outs with that club where, you know, admittedly, he did some sort of... <laughs> duh. Not great stuff on the basketball court. Bad decision-making. But the Warriors, it seemed like they tried to sort of pin everything on Jordan Poole. And it wasn't all Poole's fault that they didn't go as far or do as well as they had hoped this last year. Get him out from under that dark cloud. And now here with a younger team that's probably going to be running a gun in a little bit. And Kuzma coming back was kind of a surprise. This team is not really in traditional tank mode when they've got two guys locked up for a while. I mean, Kyle Kuzma, like, someone would have given that dude some money. Maybe not exactly this much, but if he was... The Wizards, I think, had to sell him that they weren't going to go into a full rebuild. He's been in the NBA for a little while now. He's not going to want to go into another rebuild, or should maybe say another, but a, a, a big-time rebuild. I know Kuzma's not like an old goat, but we've been talking about him for a while. How long has he been in the NBA, like? Five, six, seven years now? Five? Six? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter, really. It matters a little bit because this is not a good team. That's the that's the problem here, is that they might convince themselves that they're going to try to run at, you know, play-in spot, but they're a bad team, and ultimately the smart thing for the Wizards to do is to keep tearing it apart. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game. It's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks. Ooh, say all of your friends. You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. 
Compare prices across multiple stores in your area. Find the best deals on game day drinks and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. So yes, Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma, Tyus Jones, Daniel Gafford, these guys are all big-time risks in the will-this-team-pull-the-plug partway through and pivot into the even younger guys. Delon Wright is a risk for that same reason, but also the he-could-get-traded reason. And then, I, you know, Denny Avdi is an interesting basketball player, but we saw at the end of last year that with more usage, he didn't really know what to do with himself, so I don't think that I'm taking the plunge there. Corey Kispert is is all three-pointers, so I'm not really taking the plunge there, and then I'm not doing anything with the even younger guys on this team. But from a Roto Games Cap standpoint, those first four names I mentioned, Poole, Kuzma, Jones, Gafford, if they play, I don't know, first 75 to 80% of the season, you could really pile up some serious per-game numbers from those dudes. Some folks came back to me on Twitter... When I, I sent a tweet out a couple weeks ago when that when that trade first went down, and I was like, hey, you know, this Jordan Poole thing is kind of interesting. People were like, no, he's going on my do not draft list. And, you know, I semi get it, but also I think I semi don't because Jordan Poole, and we've done this little game before, but I think it's worth repeating. This most recent season, Poole averaged 20 points, 2.7 boards, 4.5 assists, 2.5 three pointers, 1.1 combined defensive stats. Not great there. On a high volume, 43% from the field. That's bad. But a pretty decent volume, 87% at the free throw line, which is kind of good. And was ranked near the top 140. And for a lot of folks, that doesn't really make sense when you compare Poole to the previous year, where he was a where he scored 18.5 points, 3.5 rebounds, 4 assists, still 1.1 combined defensive stats. Fewer free throws per game, but at 92%, so, you know, a little bit of an uptick there. But the big difference for Jordan was that he shot 45% instead of 43.5. The field goal percent went from a medium negative to a big one season over season. Let's assume that Poole continues to shoot 43%, that he is kind of a punt field goal guy. Will he get to do enough in Washington to counterweight that? I'm inclined to say yes. You know, 15.6 shots per game is a pretty big number he got with Golden State. But he's really only behind Kyle Kuzma in Washington, whereas in Golden State, he was behind Steph and Clay, and then was still competing for volume with Andrew Wiggins. So he was like, not number one, not number two, kind of like tied for number three. In a way where we're just talking about the Wizards right now, they don't have guys that want to shoot on that team Besides Kuzma, really, he's like he's the guy that's going to go and be aggressive and get real chucky with it. Kispert will take some shots. Avdi will take some shots. Jones will take them when they're there. But those guys are not high-volume dudes. Jordan Poole is. And even with the field goal issue, like, you might get him up to, like, dude might take 18 shots a game this coming year. And... Yeah, that can be a drag. I mean, just look at Kyle Kuzma. He was 18 shots a game at 45%. 
Kuzma, 21.7 boards, 4 assists, 1.1 defensive stats, 2.5 three-pointers. That's a lot like what we saw from Jordan Poole. Poole with slightly higher assist numbers, lower rebound numbers, but a lot of the other stuff parallels. But the reason that Kuzma was outside the top 125 is that his free throw number was at 73%. If you take everything else between these guys, which remarkably similar fantasy games, by the way, much more friendly for points leagues, yes, because of the issues at turnovers and percentages. But Kuzma's bad at all three. Poole is only bad at two. And you've got to figure that if Jordan Poole is orchestrating more, those assist numbers might go up from what they were this past season. Not that they were, like, painfully low at four and a half assists, but it wouldn't blow my mind to see him get up to five. So what does he have to do to, to be a fantasy value in there? Not a whole lot. Take his 15 and a half shots, raise that up to 18-ish per game. That's significant. You know, he's at one and roughly a third points per field goal attempt. If you're just going to do some fuzzy ball math here, that's what we do here on Fantasy NBA Today. You had two and a half shots, one and a third on top of that is another 2.8-ish points per game. So get him up to 23. 23 points per game. Two point... I don't know. Uh, we didn't really do the calculation on three-pointers, but he might get close to three of those. Five assists, still 1.1. Defensive stats. Field goal percent becomes a bigger negative. Free throw becomes a bigger positive. Those sort of cancel each other out. Turnovers, I don't know that they change all that much. And he pushes his way back inside the top 100 relatively easily, I think, in that scenario. What if his minutes went up from 30 to 32 or something like that? 33 are on the table. Does that then increase the rebound numbers? Does that increase the steals numbers? Does that go from 1.1 to 1.2 combined? These are important little things. Now, he probably gets overdrafted because... He is valuable, more valuable in 8-cat than 9, and still more valuable in points leagues than 8-cat, which makes him a hard guy to say, oh, 9-category leagues, he's going to be a good value. But I do think a lot of folks are going to be scared away after a down season, if you can call it that. And that might leave something, sort of some meat on that bone. Kuzma is another interesting note, because now if he's not playing alongside Bradley Beal, does he get to do enough to counterweight his negatives? I'm inclined to say the answer there is more of a no than a yes, because his usage is kind of a wash. He's already at 35 minutes per game. That's not going anywhere. More usage, sure, a couple more points, you know, not some extra fraction of a three-pointer, maybe a fraction of an assist, but you also have three negatives. Field goal, free throw, and turnovers all potentially get worse for Kuzma, and he just, it's hard. It's really hard for someone with his, his stat set to move up the board. Without some large-scale change. Now, Daniel Gafford, on the other hand, you put him in there for a more consistent run. We've done this one. He's That's solid. I don't want to get too deep on him because I don't think that changes a whole lot with the, the changes that were made at the free agency period because Kristaps was already gone. We already talked about that. Uh, and then DeLon Wright, who, yeah, his job gets probably, I don't know, I don't even call it more secure because they got young guys that could take his role and he could get traded. But he was a top 65 fantasy play in 24 minutes a game last year. 
He can get 24 minutes a game again. So that Monte Morris trade, quiet though it may have been, had a pretty large impact on the guys left over. Seth Curry is back to the Mavs on a two-year deal. He could actually have some value there. I know he's, I know he's tucked into a backcourt that's a bit overloaded with usage in Kyrie and Luka Doncic. But the Mavs are looking for floor spacers who have some measure of consistency and efficiency. Can they go small enough to get Seth Curry consistent fantasy value? My guess on this one is no. But it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world to see that he just sort of wins a bunch of time. Dennis Schroeder got himself paid two years, $26 million deal with the Toronto Raptors. And he's probably going to be their starting point guard this coming season. But that's not necessarily a great thing. Dennis Schroeder is another example of somebody who just doesn't really have a fantasy profile on anymore. If you go far enough, you go all the way back to the Atlanta days, I guess you could make an argument he was there. But look, dude averaged 30 minutes a game with the Lakers this season. He was at basically starters minutes the whole year, and it didn't matter. So here's the deal. Dennis Schroeder took 10 shots a game in 30 minutes with the Lakers behind... LeBron, who took a ton, and Anthony Davis, who took a ton of shots. But those guys missed a crap load of time. And despite all of that, Schroeder still couldn't really get himself a whole bunch of usage. The only way that Dennis Schroeder gets the value is if he has a boatload of usage. Because he doesn't take that many three-pointers. He's not a great steals guy, despite being very quick. Field goal percent is poor. Free throw is good. That's where you can sort of win the day is assists and free throw percent but you've got to have the ball a bunch to do that now I know he got paid so you could make the argument well they're going to let him do some things but unless Toronto unloads another one of their usage guys there just isn't a whole lot for Schroeder to take you could say oh well he's just going to pick up the Freddie Van Vliet whatever Freddie taking 16 shots a game Schroeder ain't taking 16 shots a game Barnes will take more OG will take more. Someone else on that team will absorb some of that. Maybe Schroeder gets like a dozen, but that still doesn't get him all that close. He was outside the top 200 in LA this year. He will likely be a better reality player for the Raptors than he will be a fantasy player for all of us. Before we get to the next one, we're on mind all of you guys of our new partnership with our friends at Caldera Lab. Again, I continue to be just blown away that they uh, were kind enough to come and seek us out and get this thing put together. So now I need you guys to check them out. They got five of main products here. I actually have a little cheat sheet that I'm holding in front of me that makes this so easy. First of all, you can use our code ETHOS at calderalab.com to enjoy 20% off their best products. That's C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B, Caldera Lab like a laboratory, .com. So they've got the clean slate. That's basically a face wash. One pump of cleanser. Wet hands, massage that into your face. Rinse it off. Boom. Morning and night. The Icon. This is the one that I actually started using yesterday. Start with dry skin. Use your ring finger to massage one to two pumps onto your under eye and eyelid. That'll tighten that sucker up. Stop looking like you haven't slept in years, which... All you got to do to know how long somebody hasn't slept is ask how old their oldest kid is. My boy Asher is six years and eight months today. 
Oh, look at that. Anyway, I haven't slept in six years and eight months, so my eyes look horrendous. But the icon's going to fix that bad boy up. You got the base layer. Apply a dime-sized amount to your face and neck. That's just in the morning. And then the good, a couple of droppers. You do drops on your hand, massage that into your face and neck before bed. And then they've got something called the deep. That's a weekly thick layer if you want to do a facial. I don't have time for that one, so I do the other four. It's time to start looking good for summer. Let's fix up our skin, because I look like a haggard, old, tired mess. And I'm betting some of you do, too. Go to calderalab.com. Get 20% off with our code ETHOS at calderalab.com. 20% off at their website using code ETHOS. Or I think you can go to calderalab.com slash ethos. That might take care of it as well. Jump into skin and first impression royalty with our newest pals at Caldera Labs. Next deal, going backwards. Again, we finally made it back to Friday. Is the aforementioned Freddie Van Vliet, who signed a three-year deal with the Rockets worth as much as $130 million. Freddie got paid. And he is going to go buck freaking wild on that young Rockets team. He is they they brought in Ime Udoka to straighten things up. They were a disheveled, disorganized mess last year. There is every reason to believe that Freddie Van Vliet will come in and take control of this team. This will be his organization now. He's the veteran, he's the leader. Yes, there are young guys on that Rockets team that they want to have as, as parts of their future. And yes, Kevin Porter Jr. is kind of backing up Van Vliet. Jalen Green was taking 18 shots a game last year, and Jabari Smith Jr. is going to take a bunch of shots. And yes, the Rockets have other guys that are going to be taking shots. But Freddie Van Vliet's coming in, and they're going to ask him to do what he did in Toronto. Because you don't pay a guy $40 million to just sit around and teach people. You don't. You want him to lead the charge. Freddie was number 19 per game this last year. Managed to get into 70 of their 82 games, so a really nice year for him from a durability standpoint. That actually made him a first-rounder by totals this last season. Don't be surprised if he gets drafted at the end of the second round. It's not sexy. Freddie Van Vliet is not sexy. He's a punt field goal guy who more than makes up for it in scoring threes, assists, steals, blocks, actually, out of that point guard spot, and free throws. Um, they, I don't think there's any slowdown for him coming. He is going to negatively impact guys that were already in Houston, at least in terms of what they get to do. But from an overall, like, how is this team playing standpoint, he's going to make them a lot better. They had so far to go to get out of the, like, embarrassingly bad category. So they might still very well just be bad. But I think you'll be able to watch Rocket Games this year and not think, oh, my God. Which, low bar, I get it, but I've been wanting to watch some Rockets games, and it's hard. Couple of Lakers deals, and then we'll wrap it up for today. Cam Reddish on a two-year deal, I believe, with the Lakers for the veterans minimum. Rui Hachimura returns to the Lakers on a three-year, $51 million deal with the Lakers. Those kind of came back-to-back. Lakers were doing, like, contract negotiation dumps every so often. Yeah, I don't really have to worry about it. 
Rui played pretty well down the stretch, and in the playoffs, his efficiency was terrific, but the night-to-night role for him is going to fluctuate a bit. There's no room for him uh, as a, a you know 30-minute guy on this club. I think you'll see him in the mid-20s. I really liked what he did and how he carved out his spot with L.A., but he, he doesn't have a very good fantasy game anyway. So, again, when you stuff him behind all the other guys in the pecking order on this team, LeBron, A.D., D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, I think you could argue all of those dudes in front of Rui, maybe even Gabe Vincent, just because he's going to start with the basketball on a play and Rui kind of has to be the one to finish with it. Uh, it's just, it's it's not going to happen. And then with Cam Reddish, um, he's been really bad, actually, in his pro career so far. Like, the numbers have been... Quite, quite bad. And the fact that he couldn't even really get consistent playing time on a tanking Blazers team should tell you basically everything you need to know. But uh, I was reading the other day, I I forget who it is. Lakers have someone uh, on their coaching staff up near the top that was an assistant in Atlanta when they drafted Reddish some, whatever it is, four years ago. And so the Lakers feel like they can still unlock something with Cam. Well, give Reddish this. He's a tremendous foul shooter, and his per-minute numbers on steals are actually pretty good. But from a defensive awareness standpoint, it hasn't been there. Offensive efficiency standpoint, it hasn't been there. He's just been kind of a wreck. But the Lakers are hoping they can turn him into a pure scorer because there are going to be days where you just need to plop somebody in there who gets hot. For Reddish... That's been kind of few and far between. Doesn't take that many three-pointers, doesn't make that many three-pointers. So if they're thinking about trying to space the floor, he hasn't really been that guy. He's been much better as a slasher. Uh, if they want somebody that's going to take it to the rim, you know, if he gets fouled, he's going to make them. That's nice. I don't see it, but again, this nobody does, except for presumably a couple of guys on that Lakers coaching staff that are like, I think we can fix this dude. And now we'll see if they can. If they don't, it's kind of like a you know no harm, no foul sort of deal. But fantasy-wise, you don't really need to worry about either of these dudes in 12-team leagues. Rui could creep into value in like a, an 18-teamer. But, I mean, you're starting to get relatively deep leaguey before you get to either of these two Lakers. And right around the half an hour mark is where we will put a pin in things. We will discuss Josh Richardson going back to the heat. When we pivot back around on tomorrow's show on Thursday, July the 13th. I do love the fact that we are, uh, you know, by the time you get to the start of next week, we'll be three months away from the start of the NBA season and like a month and a half and away from really getting into draft stuff. And I'll be honest with you guys, the second that we can start talking about uh, fantasy draft stuff, we're going to do it. You guys have no idea how many mocks I'm going to run on YouTube this season. It's going to be B-A-N-A-N-S. I left off an A because it's not going to be full bananas. It's going to be bananas. It's going to be bananas. Uh, hey, go, um, go get a fantasy pass over at Sports Ethos. Also of note, you might see more of me in the wager pass this coming basketball season. I think... Therefore, I am that both of my children are going to be in school from 8 a.m. until at least 
2? And then, you know, if the nanny's willing to hang out from, like, 2 to dinner time, oh, baby, I may have a full workday for the first time since before COVID. Holy crap, Arino. I'm still the line of defense, so, you know, every time they get sick, that's going to tumble on my head. But there might be some days in there that you get to see Dan Bespris working a full day. You guys have no idea how many things I can get done in a full day. Full disclosure, I don't know if I remember how much I can get done in a full day either. It's been three and a half years. Damn, man. You guys might not remember this. I actually do remember. I'm making jokes about how I don't, but I really do remember when I had one kid and it was like two and a half months or so before COVID, we ramped him up from uh, a 12 or a 9 a.m. to 1.30-ish p.m. preschool day to like 9 to 3 or 9 to 2 or 9 to 3 or something like that. And all of a sudden, it was like the whole world was at my fingertips. I was handicapping. You guys remember that? I was in the wager pass. When we first opened that bad boy up, I was handicapping. I was doing the fantasy stuff. I was helping out with the sales department here at Sports Ethos. We were hoop ball at that point. I knew it was all going to come crashing down when the second kid was born, like four months later. But I did not know it was going to coincide with um, the apocalypse. And everybody was home at the same time. Like, at least if there was a baby at home, an infant, and my wife would have been on maternity leave mostly taking care of the infant. I could have still had most of a work day there, but no. With everybody trapped at home at the same time, there were just too many bodies in here, and it was disastrous. And then uh, once the wife went back to work, then I was here a lot. You guys don't care. All that to say, if I start having, like, a full eight- or nine-hour work day, oh, my goodness. You're going to see so many things on Twitter and threads and bets and fantasy plays. And I might have to pick up more hobbies. I might have to try to remember how to play the guitar. All right, go get a fantasy pass. It's going to be awesome. Uh, all sport fantasy pass on sale for $7 for a limited time. It goes up to 10 in the next couple of weeks. You can lock in seven for the rest of your life. If you do it now, I am Dan Bespris for Dan Bespris on socials and fantasy NBA today here on the ethos. See you guys tomorrow.